The electric chair. Do you have the crazy? Why, hello there, everyone. This is Midnight Cory coming to you again with the electric chair. Thanks for listening, as always. Uh, you can find me on Stitcher, SmartRadio, Stitcher.com, as well as uh, HorrorPodcastingAlliance.blogspot.com and SpookShow.tv. All very wonderful things. Man, another exciting week. Uh, I hope you had a great Halloween. I am still recovering from mine. Um, no, I, I mean, it wasn't that crazy, but um, I did get to have some of this zombie zin. Um, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania, so we have state stores to go to for our uh, alcoholic beverages. And I go up to the counter, and uh, this was, uh, you know, a few days before Halloween. And there was a bottle of wine on the counter. It said sale, you know, and had the price on it. But it was Zombie Zin. It's a 2010 California Zinfandel wine um, out of, uh, what was it, uh, Chateau Diana. Chateau Diana. And, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm like, I got to get this if, you know, for nothing else than uh, the label, which is a, a really cool looking punk sort of zombie. Reminds me of almost of Return of the Living Dead. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not a big wine guy, but I'm like, hey, why not? Why not? Zombies in. So uh, it, it, it was a fun treat, actually. Um, when I do drink wine, usually for some reason I gravitate towards um, Merlots and uh, Shiraz. Actually, I really enjoy uh, Shiraz when I have wine. But, uh, you know, this Zinfandel here was uh, a lot sweeter and not as dry as uh, I'm used to in the Merlot and, and things like that. Wow, I, I, I sound all fancy and everything because I'm talking about wine. And fancy people talk about wine and just makes old Midnight Corey feel fancy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I also, uh, you know, I've had some beers as well. Um, what I have, nothing horror-wise. It's just, the, uh, you know, things coming out, of course, uh, you know, the, the Southern Tier Oatmeal Stout, which was uh, very tasty. Had some of that uh, here uh, last week. It was pretty nice. But anyhow, I, I, whatever. Um, so I hope your Halloween was fun. I hope it was safe. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was really fun here. So uh, good time. I released the special Halloween episode, which, uh, you know, was sort of unannounced. And, and it just sort of slipped it in there. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And, and in fact... Um, there were a lot of readings on there. I just read a whole lot of stuff, some classic things, and just had a lot of fun with it and threw a lot of, you know, crazy songs in, whatever. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I sure enjoyed uh, putting it together and reading all those wonderful tales. Um, and uh, one of the highlights of that episode was uh, Mark Slade's tale. And Mark uh, was a great guy. He emailed me, wanted, wanted to know if he could uh, contribute some uh, some stories. And actually, uh, we're going to he be hearing a lot more from Mark, but... Uh, his story, A Name, was uh, really fantastic, and I enjoyed that, so I hope you all check Mark out. There's a link to uh, his uh, blog on uh, the show notes for the Halloween show, so check it out, check it out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyhow, talking about those readings, um, I got a really great uh, voicemail from my friend Alan. Hey, Corey, what's up? This is Alan. Really, really digging the uh, tales from the electric chair. Appreciate what you're doing with that, because... Um, you know, I really like a lot of them, uh, stories, but I have a hard time reading the older stuff. I don't know why, but just hearing it, it's really good. I really enjoyed the Lovecraft and the occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. I remember reading that in high school and liking it. Uh, keep up the good work with it, man. I really enjoy it. Have a good one. Bye. 
You know, Alan, you are certainly one of the nicest guys that I know, and uh, I really appreciate that you've been listening to the show and, and to my stuff for so long. Um, it's really fantastic. Uh, I appreciate your encouragement about the readings. I really enjoy them, and I do sincerely hope that other people enjoy them as well. I know I've heard from a lot of people, but uh, it, it's always great uh, to know that uh, people are getting a kick out of it. And um, I don't know, hopefully, uh, if there's anything you can suggest out there that you would like to hear, then uh, you, you know you can certainly let me know. I'm always looking for stuff. There's plenty that uh, I have in store here to read, and there's some really great things coming up. But, uh, you know, certainly if there's something that uh, you'd be interested in hearing on the show, hey, I'm open to it. Let me know. Email me, contact me. You know how to get a hold of me. Um, so anyhow, this week... Oh, so thank you again, Alan. That was really cool. Um, this week, uh, in Tales from the Electric Chair, I have another very spooky tale. This is another one courtesy of my friends over at BurialDay.com, Burial Day Books. Of course, uh, fantastic website. I was reading some other stuff uh, on there this week. And, of course, the new uh, Gothic Blue Book. What is it? The Re the Revenge Edition, I think. Um, let me check this out. I'm going to go to the website right now. But they're releasing uh, all kinds of great books. And uh, you can get it on uh, hard or, uh, paperback or Kindle. Actually, 99 cents. The Revenge Edition Gothic Blue Book is now 99 cents for your Kindle. So, man. Uh, before that, there was the Haunted Edition, and of course, Loteria, which, uh, you know, Cynthia Palaio's uh, book, it, it's, it, I'm not prepared to give a synopsis of, of Loteria, it's, it's actually really, really cool, it's a whole bunch of short uh, tales, and, uh, and it, she sent it to me before it came out, and I, I just really, really love that, so you gotta check it out. There's a lot of great stuff happening over there, Burial, Burial Day, ah. It's early. I can't even talk yet. Burial Day. Burialday.com. Burial Day Books. Oh, having trouble, but uh, you got to forgive me. Um, this is actually late coming out because I did some traveling this week. You know, there I was. Uh, I went down to uh, Pittsburgh here for a few days. I was out of town. It was, uh, it was actually really cool, but um, I was down there. I went down Monday evening, and I get there Monday night, and I get to my hotel, and then uh, I went out to get something to eat at this bar, uh, that was right down the street. Um, and actually, you know, speaking about this bar, uh, I tried out uh, a couple beers. I had some really cool things on tap. The first thing that I tried was uh, Night of the Living Dead Stout, or Night of, Night of the Living Stout. Um, and it was brewed by Full Pint, which is a local Pittsburgh, uh, I guess a micro brewery, uh, something like that. They make a lot of craft beers, and actually I've seen a lot of their different beers around, even up here in Erie on some of the shelves. And uh, so Night of the Living Stout, I was immediately interested in it. And uh, so I got one, um, and uh, I was talking with the bartender about it, and he suggested that I have the barbecue chips with it. And so I had this Night of the Living Stout with this heaping pile. It was like homemade chips covered in like barbecue sauce and pork and cheese and just all kinds of, of things that uh, are wonderful for my heart. And, and for my overall health. So I had this enormous heaping pile of very rich um, barbecue chips along with this stout, and it was actually fantastic. They went great together, and it was, what, a couple days before Halloween at that point. It was just a great, great thing to behold. Um, after that, uh, I, I'm trying to look. I have to see. Um, there was this other beer that I had, and uh, it was... Um, 
It was another local thing that was really good. It was an IPA. I don't know what, I've I, I made a note of this somewhere, but uh, anyhow, so it had a fun time. But I'm watching, as I'm at this bar, the whole point is I am watching this, and it, this was the evening that uh, Hurricane Sandy was rolling in and really causing a lot of mass destruction, and they had CNN on the big screens behind the bar. And I'm watching this, and... Uh, you know, I, I just really, really feel bad. All of my condolences go out to the people who were victims of this horrible, horrible superstorm. Uh, wow, wow, so much destruction. I just feel really bad for everybody. But over here, um, you know, I'm in western Pennsylvania. I'm up in Erie. Uh, and, uh, of course, being down in Pittsburgh, we were bracing ourselves because, the, you know, the effects of this hurricane and superstorm were supposed to really hit really bad. And to make things worse, there was this second storm rolling in from the west, and there was just going to be this mass collision of storms right here in western PA, and uh, they were bracing us before I left Erie to get out to Pittsburgh. The mayor was on TV, and he's like, the National Guard has been alerted, and, you know, a lot of them have been activated. If they um, need to, they can come in and help us in the event of some sort of emergency. I don't mean just... People were going crazy about this. I was reading Facebook and Twitter things from people saying, uh, you know, and this is, again, in the Pittsburgh area, in the western Pennsylvania area, but uh, how they need to stock up on water and batteries and food and make sure that they had all this stuff to survive if their power went out for days on end. And, oh, man, it was so much panic and hype here. I haven't seen this in a long time. I mean, this level of panic here and uh, now, believe me, the people who were much more east than I was, you know, people in New Jersey, New York, up in New England, they had reason to be concerned. And uh, we all know why, you know, we've seen the reports. But, uh, you know, over here, I'm further inland. Man, what a bunch of hype that was. Wow. Wow. People were preparing for the worst and, uh, you know, I think took it overboard, man. It was just. So much hype here. Nothing happened. Everything was fine. I didn't lose power. We didn't lose power down in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, a few people might have here and there, but uh, it was nothing near the, the Armageddon that uh, they were preparing us for. I mean, it was ridiculous, ridiculous here, the things that they were doing and saying, and people were just going crazy. So, uh, you know, but again, I'm not going to downplay what happened to, uh, you know, everyone on the East Coast there that uh, really bore the brunt of this, this crazy storm hurricane superstorm thing i mean wow wow so uh yeah but anyhow i was down in pittsburgh had a lot of fun and uh made it home safe and sound safe and sound so yeah yeah that was uh that was my pre-halloween uh kind of activities there i, I drove home on halloween as a matter of fact and uh, had a great time but uh, here's the dumb thing about where i live people were so hyped up about this storm so afraid of the effects that it was going to have for the entire week supposedly that they moved trick-or-treating. We were supposed to trick-or-treat on Halloween night, which would be the sensible thing to do. Uh, but instead, in fear and panic, they moved Halloween trick-or-treating to this Saturday. Um, so this show will already have been out at that point. But, um, you know, how stupid. It's like going to be November, what, 3rd at that point. And that's, it's just not going to be the same. I mean, Halloween came and went, and this is just kind of the... Uh, Ah, okay, got to do this. And it, it, it's cool that Halloween is sort of extended, I guess, but there's just something that was lost in all of that. Uh, I, I don't know. And uh, on Halloween itself, on the 31st, um, there was a little bit of rain, but it was certainly an acceptable trick-or-treating night. You know, I mean, come on. 
Come on, we're moving the whole holiday and festivities just because of a little rain? No. I, I, man, no wonder our kids are so soft nowadays. Man, man alive. Go out in a little bit of rain. Come on, be a man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, like I said, it's early. I'm still drinking my coffee. And uh, we got to get on with the show here. Um, wow, wow. Great guest this week. I'm not going to tell you who our guest is until after... I tell you about a couple shorts that I saw. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm still watching the Ultimate Zombie Feast, the two-disc uh, DVD set that I got out of the UK and is a fantastic collection of zombie shorts. The next one that I watched, this is the second one, and uh, it's called Zombies and Cigarettes. Now, this is another one I think I have seen before. I vaguely remember watching this, maybe again for the Midnight Podcast or something back in the day, but it was long enough ago that I still enjoyed it, and it was actually very fresh. Uh, a very enjoyable short. Again, very well done. This one is subtitled. I believe it is Spanish. It takes place in Spain. And what we see is um, this crazy kind of zombie outbreak in a mall. So we have a cool mall setting. We have this story developing between two of the characters, two of the people that work there. So it's kind of a love story, kind of a survival thing. Uh, I, I like the way that it starts sort of towards the end, and then the main part of the movie is a flashback, and it works up to the point that you saw at the very beginning of the film, and then moves beyond that, so I like that way of storytelling. Uh, it looked great visually, and uh, it was very well done. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think I liked it overall, um, but to me it was just sort of a, a very abrupt, easy ending um, and it was, you know, it was sort of original uh, what develops and how the zombies die and everything. But, uh, you know, then again, it was sort of quick. But then again, it's a short. So, I mean, what are you going to do? you got to do things fast. But th this seemed just like sort of a very abrupt sort of thing. So uh, I don't know if this is online. I have Honestly, I haven't even looked for it. I'm very lazy this week because a lot going on. But, uh, yeah, zombies and cigarettes, if you can find it. Or, uh, you know, better yet, buy this DVD set. Buy this DVD set. I'm having a great time with it. Nothing but uh, really high-quality zombie films so far. So, we'll see how soon I'm disappointed by something that sucks on this DVD set. And there may be nothing, which I'm hoping. But uh, just knowing the whole zombie thing, oh boy, gotta be careful. You never know. So, uh, yeah, that was great. Um, the next one, I saw this short online, and there will be a link to this uh, in the show notes. And I posted it to MidnightCory.com, so it's one of the newest blog posts over there. Um, but this was one I just picked up. Somebody on like Twitter or Facebook uh, recommended this. They said it was uh, one of the best shorts of the year. Um, so uh, watch this. It's called Prick. Um, it's about this serial killer and the things that he does and whose mind is really, really starting to mess with him. He's killed a lot of people, and uh, so th things happen. He's seeing things and living things that may or may not be real. And it, it's a wonderful, wonderful little short. Uh, definitely worth your time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, go watch Prick. That was really, really fun. Um, uh, man, man, a lot of great things out there. So uh, I'm hoping you're enjoying these things because we're seeing a lot of quality, of course, out of the independent sort of uh, sector here. Not a lot of uh, great things coming out of uh, the big studios. You know, of course, there was Paranormal Activity 4, which I enjoyed and talked about on uh, Jay of the Dead show. Uh, but... Um, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm not real excited to go out and see much of anything. I still have Cabin in the Woods. Did I tell you? I, I bought Cabin in the Woods on uh, DVD, and I'm really excited. I just, or uh, Blu-ray, actually, not, not DVD. I bought it on Blu-ray. 
So it's been sitting here for weeks and weeks and weeks. I bought it, I think, the, the day it came out because I was in uh, Best Buy and I had some coupons and stuff, so I bought it. Uh, it's, it's still sitting here. I'm still very excited to watch it, but as I was in Pittsburgh, uh, I was uh, seated at this table uh, at this fancy event that I attended with uh, one of my coworkers, and we're sitting there actually talking about horror. And uh, he's a big horror fan, and he likes supernatural horror, and uh, we're talking about The Exorcist and other things, and we're trying to think of other movies that have come out recently that we've seen and enjoyed. And I'm like, oh yeah, I still got Cabin in the Woods, the Blu-ray sitting on my Blu-ray player at home, I just have to find time to actually put it in and watch it. And he just shook his head, and he's like, that was terrible. That was a bad movie. So, um, you know, I don't know. I was I was kind of bummed uh, to hear that because I, for one, am really excited to see it because I know a lot of people out there really, really loved it. They said how cool it was and how different it was. Um, and uh, But uh, he was not quite so enthusiastic about it and sort of, you know, it was sort of a bummer. I'm like, oh, oh, man. Well, that kind of sucks, so I might I might actually hate it. But uh, again, I did you know make the statement that you got to respect a movie that people seem to either love or hate. You know, I say that a lot about uh, the mark of uh, a very significant movie. Love it or hate it, uh, it it's very significant that it can uh, polarize people like that. So um, you know, I do tend to gravitate towards movies that are extreme. You know, that really make people react one way or the other. So. Um, I'm still excited to see it, but it was just kind of a bummer. First hand talking with this guy, like, oh boy, I can't wait to see Cabin in the Woods. And he's like, dude, that sucked. Just <laughs> like, oh, well, what can you do? But uh, I'm still really uh, excited to see that. Oh, man, I'm just going off. I, I thought this was going to be a very short introduction to the show here, but I just keep thinking of things to talk about. I just keep running my mouth. So uh, let's end that. Um, you're going to hear me talk with fellow podcaster, close friend, Katie Rotz. Oh, yes, of Rotten Rantings. Um, she gets together with me this week, and it's uh, a lot of fun, the movie we talk about. She suggested a fantastic film. So, uh, yeah, let's listen to that. Um, and, of course, after that, you will hear Tales from the Electric Chair that uh, I never told you what it was going to be. Um, I still won't. I'll leave it a surprise. You'll hear it after the Katie Rotts discussion. So uh, there you go. Enjoy, and I will talk to you again after these fantastic segments. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Do you understand that, Mr. Berman? That's what keeps them going. Well, I get to hang out tonight with uh, one of those rare podcasters that I've actually been able to meet in person and hang out with uh, here. Oh, what? It's almost been like two months ago. Katie Rotz. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, Corey. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Doing well. Can you believe it's almost been like two months since the drive-in? That's kind of crazy, but yeah, I'm glad that I'm on for some redemption because <laughs> as I told you earlier, I'm not drunk or in a tent tonight, so we're good to go. <laughs> uh, we weren't that bad. I mean, you know, we were, uh, we were having fun. That's okay. Yeah. Right. Well, what's funny is that I don't think I ever explained this, all those clips I, you know, originally I wasn't going to play like any of that stuff on the show because we listened back to it. You know, we actually had a lot of laughs listening back to it on the little recorder that I was using that night. And the next day we're like, oh, my gosh, we sound like we are just annihilated on this thing. And we're like, yeah, probably probably won't include it. Well, then I brought it back. And when I listened to it on my computer, um, for some reason, I guess my recorder was playing it back slower so it made it sound like I was just really drawing things out and really slurring my words and being real weird. But when it played back on my computer, it sounded halfway normal. 
And uh, so I think, you know, and then like I didn't have a whole lot of time for editing and stuff. I'm like, wow, this actually sounds a lot better than I thought it did. So let's just play the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. So blah, blah, blah. So I put it up there, you know, and uh, not realizing that, um, you know, we we actually did, you know, say and, and do a lot of things that were just <laughs> completely ridiculous. You know, the the light. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that was classic. Um, um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I only had a few things to say. My personal favorite was when I was like, give me the mic. That was, I think that was the high point of our interview. Oh my So gosh. I'm in much better shape tonight. <laughs> well, that's good. But it was a, ble- it was so much fun. I mean, I would not, I, I don't regret a single thing. I would not do a single thing differently, except maybe have a few more drinks, um, you know, but <laughs> It was, yeah, it was a good time. I really yeah. enjoyed my my trip there. So, yes. Good, good, good. And uh, certainly, I, I miss you guys. I miss you and Chris. And, of course, the significant others were awesome as well. It was just a lot of fun hanging out with everyone. And and uh, I really hope we can do it again because you guys, you know, it's different. You know, like, like I said, I knew you guys through podcasting and just talking over Skype and stuff before that. But it's so different whenever you actually meet up in person and hang out and you go out to eat and you have some drinks and watch some movies. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you, it's like, you know, putting a face with the name and I don't know, sometimes podcasting, you know, especially when I used to be involved in the drama podcasting felt like (laughs) online gaming. So it's kind of like, you know, I mean, it's similar because you meet these people who you care about online and then you finally get to meet them in person. So yeah, no, we, we had a great time being Chris both. So, and if he wasn't so busy, he'd probably be knocking on your door asking why he's not on with me tonight. (laughs) Oh yeah. I can't wait to, to uh, talk with him again. And uh, it was just a blast. He and I just connected on a lot of different levels, just talking about music and all kinds of different stuff. And we're a lot alike. Um, and, uh, so I, I can't wait to do that, but I do know he's, he's really busy as well. So I'm just kind of, I'm not going to bug him. I'm not going to say, Oh dude, you come on my show. You need to come on my show. I, you know, it'll happen eventually. And I just, you know, I bug him enough. You know, our last cast was the Halloween haunts cast. So yes. we were doing so much, you know, we were going like every night we were doing something different. So don't worry. I'm keeping him busy for everyone. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And uh, let, let's talk about, you know, Rotten Rannings. Of course, um, you're doing a lot of exciting stuff. I was uh, just listening to your last episode and uh, looking. You posted like a ton of videos and pictures and stuff from uh, Field of Screams. So it was so much awesome. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. And the guys at Field of Screams are, are totally awesome. Um, I, I absolutely recommend, you know, the drive to check it out if you're even close. And yeah, watch the videos and stuff. It was a lot of fun. We we definitely like scaring people. Chris more than me. Chris was like <laughs> really into scaring people. So and uh, we're going to do some brutal movies on the next cast because i was you know missing my gore so we're gonna do um inside and frontiers and high tension so you'll that's up and coming all right all right awesome and you guys looked great the makeup thing you had going on and just showing all of that um that was really cool so thanks man it was fun oh awesome awesome yeah i missed that i you know, I I have a young child. You know, I have a two year old, so it's it's harder for me to really get out and do a lot of these haunted houses and stuff anymore, unless I go by myself or maybe with some friends. Um, you know, but it, it's really tough. The, the the only scary thing, you know, Halloween thing, I guess that I've gotten out to this year is uh, the Erie Zoo 
does this um, big thing all of October called Zubu. And you go there and you take your kids and you dress them up. And, you know, they have the, you know, a lot of different stuff set up around the zoo. You know, a lot of, a lot of tombstones and stuff. And it's actually pretty cool. And there are some scary things. And the kids get, you know, candy. You go around to different places with, a, you know, your little trick-or-treat bag. And, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. They have some of the animals out. You know, we actually got to see the giraffes and, and uh, the tigers and stuff. You know, so it's... It's kind of cool, but, um, you know, really, as a father at this point of a two-year-old, I just see myself, you know, doing basically real young kids Halloween stuff, which isn't quite up to the level of, yeah, it's not quite up to the level of gore and brutality that I enjoy as, you know, (laughs) 35-year-old Corey here, but, um, you know, that's, uh, but that's cool. You know, I'm enjoying it, Um, just seeing my son dressing up for Halloween and and getting What is he this year? Uh, He was actually just a big pumpkin. Very nice. Great big pumpkin. I was yeah. a pumpkin at some point in my nice. life, I'm oh, sure. I think everybody was. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's really cool. And I have been showing him um, some movies here uh, during October just to kind of bust him in. You know, I'm starting with some really old classics, you know, nothing that's going to have a lot of violence or blood or things like that. But for instance, he watched White Zombie with me here a couple weeks ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, he was like, zombie. And I'm like, yeah, that's a zombie. And and uh, so he was getting into it and it's kind of creepy, you know, and he was kind of, you know, he'd be like scary, you know, when some of the zombies came up. But, you know, it wasn't anything that would totally scare him or freak him out or stuff like that. But he knew it was a scary movie we were watching. Um, we watched one of the... I totally respect that, by the way. Like, a lot of people shelter their kids, and Chris and I have talked about that. Like, you should let them see a little bit of scary stuff. And it's... You're not being inappropriate. You're not showing them Saul. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that's, uh... You know, I definitely... I just want to break him in gradually to the horror thing, and it seems right now he's really enjoying it. And, um, so I I just... I'm going to keep kind of taking him through that. And if he takes an interest in it and really gets into it as he gets older, that'd be that's going to be fantastic. But if not, you know, if he's not into the horror movies, that that's cool too. I mean, he's he's going to be who he's going to be. So, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of show him what I'm into, and we'll see. what I was going to say, let's be honest. You actually had him watch tonight's movie with you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it man. was very child appropriate, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, wow. Well, this, uh, yeah, this is. Uh, a movie. Holy cow. Well, let's talk about this movie because I've just been dying to talk about it. And I've been resisting putting things on Twitter and Facebook about it because I have, especially while I've, I've watched it. And I actually watched it twice because I'm like, Oh my God. Well, I, I felt like I just had to, I'm like, I felt like I'm, not that I was missing stuff, but there were just so more, many things for me to pick up and maybe help understand this movie. Because it's crazy. It's absolutely Yeah, this was my second time, too. This was my recommend to you, actually. Yeah, well, why don't you tell everybody what you picked, and uh, this is this is one you recommended, and why was this kind of on your on your list to talk about? Um, I actually want to ask you a huge, like, question after I uh, tell the fans what we're talking about, but um, we're doing 2007's The Signal, and I'll just give you the IMDb because it's quick. Um, a horror film told in three parts from three perspectives in which a mysterious transmission that turns people into killers invades every cell phone, radio, and television. So my question to you is everyone, a normal would call this um, a zombie movie, right? It kind of is. And that's what really surprised me going 
through this movie. And I'm like, seeing some of these guys, I'm like, he was supposed to be dead, wasn't he? You know, there's no way he could have survived that brutal head smashing that he just got, you know, here a minute ago. But the whole movie is so crazy and a lot of it's out of order and and things are surreal you're seeing some hallucinations and and some things that maybe are are being seen from one person's perspective but it's not actually really happening in real life you know it's it's so i'm just like well maybe maybe he never did kill that guy i don't i don't know but again you know when the movie ends and upon watching it again uh you know i realized the shifting perspectives, and I realized that some of these guys were coming back to life, and they were definitely dead. I mean, there was no question. Um, so some of them were zombies, although not everybody seemed to come back. You know, it was well, like yeah, and like the original, like what happens to them originally is they become almost zombie-like, but then they don't. Like so confusing. I can see why you watched it. I've seen it twice too. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to watch it again. You know, this is, uh, I think, a great movie uh, for rewatchability um, because you do come off feeling like there's got to be something I missed. You know, there's got to be something in there that helps tie this together a little bit more um, because it's just so darn wacky uh, in parts. It uh, it goes, well, <clears throat> here's an interesting thing, and I, I think... Um, Thank you for reading that synopsis from IMDb, but uh, actually on the official website for this film, and uh, that is doyouhavethecrazy.com, um, they have a much longer synopsis on here that actually, I think, uh, kind of reveals some things that uh, I didn't realize at first about this film. So I'm going to go ahead and just and just read this longer. It's just a couple paragraphs. It's not, not crazy long. But... Um, it says in New Year's Eve. Okay, so we're for apparently it's New Year's Eve. First thing I didn't pick up on when I watched the movie either time. Um, New Year's Eve in the city of Terminus, and chaos is this year's resolution. All forms of communication have been jammed by an enig- enigmatic, blah, blah, enigmatic transmission that preys on fear and desire, driving everyone in the city to murder and madness. In a place once marked by conformity, but now sent into complete anarchy, the rebellious Ben must save the woman he loves from the bedlam in the streets, as well as, as, well as her crazed, sadistic husband. But the only way he can tell who to trust or who has given in to the violence is by uncovering the true nature of the signal. Told in three parts from three unique perspectives by three visionary directors, The Signal was originally conceived as an experimental film project called Exquisite Corpse, where one filmmaker would begin a story, then hand it off to another filmmaker to continue, and then to another, and so on, until the movie was complete. The story eventually took shape and evolved into a sci-fi horror thriller that imagines a world where everyday anxieties become the catalyst for inhuman terror. The signal is a horrific journey towards discovering that the most brutal monster might actually be within all of us. That is a good synopsis. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, it better be good because I think the filmmakers themselves wrote it. Wrote it. You know, yeah, so they're going to be the best, I think, salesmen of, of their product. But um, like I said, this was very telling. And I think, uh, you know, help me understand a lot of what was going on. First of all, did you pick up that this was New Year's? Yeah, because at the beginning, when she's with her boyfriend or whatever, and they're laying in bed, and he starts listing off the possibilities 
of what they can do, you know, when he's trying to get her to leave her husband. Hmm. He says something about, and it's New Year's Eve and we'll take off. So I did catch that. Like, oh. it was like a fresh start or whatever. So, and I think that it makes, you know, once you realize that fact, it makes it even more serious because you're like, oh, these people are like about to birth a new life and here we have this chaos, you know, going on or whatever. I, I, there's a lot of, um, Things in this movie that I feel like are deeper than than just a casual glance, but maybe I'm just reading into it too much. No, no, I think you're right. Um, I, I think there is so much to be had in this movie. And again, it's the rewatchability of this thing, because the second time I picked up a lot of stuff and I sort of read into things, I'm like, hmm, that's actually really interesting. Um, but for some reason, both times I missed that line about New Year's. Um, but they didn't really play on the whole New Year's thing. I mean, you don't you don't really see parties yeah, or anything yeah, yeah right um because pretty much you know everyone's gone crazy and just started killing each other um which which i love it was it was really cool it um it, it's three parts here um and actually again i i had no idea what this was about upon watching it the first time uh whenever you suggested it um actually you suggested two movies and i just wanted to see if either of them was on netflix instant and the signal happened to be uh, the one of the two that was on Netflix instant. So I'm like, oh, let's watch that because it's on Netflix and I can get it right away. Um, and so I read the synopsis and, you know, even, you know, going by the IMDb thing, um, I think the only reason that I had it, it was in my queue, as a matter of fact, and it's been sitting in my queue for like ever. Um, but just reading the synopsis and maybe looking at the cover and, you know, it had a decent rating, you know, a lot of stars on Netflix. So you know, I, I, I give that some weight, too, so that's why I threw it in the queue. But I thought I was just in for, you know, almost another, huh, maybe 28 days later, um, maybe something that was sort of a uh, Stephen King's uh, The Cell sort of clone. You know, I don't know if you've read The Cell, but, you know, it's no, the same I kind haven't. of thing. There's a there's a pulse that's given through cell phones, you know, that kind of turns people crazy and, and stuff. So I'm thinking, yeah, okay, maybe it's probably going to be something. It's probably not going to be that good. But, uh, you know, I had it had it in the queue. I'm like, this might be worth watching and reviewing sometime in the future. Um, and let me tell you, I was just, you know, watching this, I was not prepared for what I saw. Uh, this was beyond anything that I was expecting. Um, so, heavily stylized, three parts, three different directors. This was David Bruckner, Dan Bush, and Jacob Gentry. Now, uh, Katie, we were just talking about uh, David Bruckner. Um, right, he did my favorite story on VHS. Yes. So I like him. The other two guys, though, don't have any credits really of anything. Did you check them out? I did. I, I think they were just kind of three, you know, again, this started out as an experimental project. And it sounds like they were just kind of three buddies, um, you know, who, who were just into film and stuff and decided to uh, make this. But I'll tell you what, we can't tell who was who as far as who made which segment. We were trying to kind of decipher that before the show here and and really we can't find any of that anywhere so if anyone's listening and can sort of clue us, us in yeah that'd be great um because the, the three completely different feels uh in each segment but um it, again knowing this now after the fact because again i did not know this going into the movie um i was just really jolted from segment to segment and they called it transmission one transmission two and transmission three and, uh, and they had titles for them and everything. I was going to say, and I feel like it went from like a serious love story to like a comedy 
to a gore fest. And I don't know, the comedy kind of reminded me of, um, have you ever seen Murder Party? I have not. That's the the comedy in the second part kind of reminds me of that, where it's just like, it's comedy, but you're just, it feels so wrong that you're watching it. Like, you want to laugh, but you're kind of like, wow, I'm really twisted that I'm laughing at this. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 quirky, but in a very brutal, violent way, you know? it's You kind of want to laugh at some of the things they say and do, but as soon as you want to laugh, all of a sudden they're smashing somebody's head with, you know, this big, what, what was that Literally. thing they had? This big canister or something. Uh, they, yeah, the bug spray, which also gets used in another death, which is oh pretty cool. Oh, my God, is awesome, is awesome, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it really, you know, you're jolted from segment to segment, and if you don't know going in that this was actually, you know, three directors, so it's it's going to be three very uh, individual parts, very different parts, then, uh, you know, it, again, it, it's very surprising uh, for the viewer. And uh, really, you know, the first segment, like you said, it's a very straight, serious sort of love story. Um, you know, this guy, Ben, is trying to convince his lover to uh, leave her husband and uh, because she's unhappy in the relationship and everything. And so, you know, she's kind of on the fence. You, you know, she she really does want to do it. She does want to be with Ben. But it's complicated. You know, she doesn't she doesn't want to necessarily leave her husband. And so she's kind of torn but you know she's sort of leaning towards going with Ben eventually. That would happen. Um, and actually, I mean, that's that's pretty much the thread that runs through this film. It's basically uh, these two guys uh, uh, chasing after this girl. Um, you know, when you boil it down to what is actually happening during the duration of the movie. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, it's a love story. It really yeah. is. The whole thing is a love story. And... Um, the acting, like both of the guys that are chasing her, I, I really love them both. I yeah. I believe the characters in this movie. And, you know, I, I was kind of rooting for Ben to end up with her at the end. You know, it's like she's not going to be <laughs> sick, you know, like it's going to be well, OK. It's going to be OK. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that you see Ben the first time you see Ben is in the very first segment and you see him in a very positive light. He seems like a really cool guy. Um, you know, he makes her a mixed CD and everything, and he just seems, so cute. <laughs> he seems really chill. And then the first time you see her husband, and again, I don't, I, I don't remember names. I just knew Ben because I think it was in the, in the synopsis here, but I don't remember anyone else's names. Um, you see her husband the first time and he's crazy. He, you know, he's, he, he's already, creepy too. yeah, very creepy, very weird and, uh, sort of treats her you know, sort of, you know, sort of weird, you know, he is suspicious that she's sleeping with somebody else. But um, again, it's, you can tell it's just not a good relationship that they have there. So you don't really see him in a real great light right off the bat. So immediately, I think it's very easy to be rooting uh, for Ben and to be hoping that they end up together in the end. And I'm not going to spoil what happens um, because it's, it's just a very crazy journey that you take um, because the, the second part is uh, you, you are launched into this very strange cast of characters. <laughs> that um, house is so weird. It's, wow. it's 
Well, and before you even get to that, like the end of the first segment, when you see Ben on, like, I'm not going to give away everything, but basically you do see Ben and you see her and they're going separate ways. It was like, really, it was heart wrenching for Mm -hmm. me. And maybe it's because I'm a girl, but you know, there were parts in this that really like tugged at my heartstrings. I mean, it just, you're like, no, you know, so close. And, And it's so serious in the first scene. And then you go to, like you said, this house full of like weirdos yeah no and i totally see that i think again it was uh it was the portrayal the performances that uh, the actors pulled off here the um the leading actress and again what was it what was her name did you, you know what maya her, name? her maya. name was maya right um the actress who played maya did an incredible job at um i think just acting out this this very torn you know girl who's in this marriage that she's not happy with and wants to be with this guy and, and but she kind of can't bring herself to do that and so no i mean you're right i mean i wasn't i wasn't on the verge of tears or anything you know and i you know whatever <laughs> but i can see that i can see that that's um it was a very uh, um very emotional tale it it really drew you in and uh so no no i get it I get it. The the comedy part also reminded me of the loved ones a little bit in the way it was oh, torturous. Yeah. So, but I mean, totally different, but there's just yeah. like how brutal it is at parts. Uh, and I love everyone's covered in blood the whole movie. Yes. And I love when people are covered in blood. They are. And just gashes because, you know, again, a lot of these guys are coming back from the dead and they've just had their head smashed in or, or whatever. So they're in, they're in some pretty poor shape. And I know, you know, when, uh, when you see Ben come in, you know, Ben has this big gash just on the side of his head and he's covered in blood. And it's just, it's crazy. Um, and very, they didn't hold back on the blood and the gore here. Um, and I, I mentioned the head smashing scenes. Um, and a lot of these scenes of brutality and violence really come out of nowhere and they hit you all of a sudden. Because you're thinking, you know, you've just had some sort of uh, confrontation you know, some sort of dialogue between the two characters and you're not quite, you're not quite sure what's going to happen or maybe things seem like they're going to be okay. And then the next thing you know, literally in a split second, the one will turn around and smash the other guy's head in with either, you know, this insect stuff or, um, oh my God, there was the scene at <laughs> the end with the machete. Weapons. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and I just, like, you don't know if, like, at first you think that everybody that's sick, you can tell that they're sick, but you can't. And so yeah. it gets, like, there's parts where you're like, is my mind playing tricks on me? Is that person sick or are they not sick? Which I thought was really neat, which is probably part of the reason you watch it twice. Because you're like, yeah. wait, when did that person get sick or has they or have they been the whole time or whatever cuz they can logic with other people which makes it really hard to tell right right and you know something that i was having a little trouble understanding was there was a signal like we said being broadcast out of TVs and cell phones and everything um and it was a constant thing it was always on um and a lot of the characters seem to um be watching you know they have experience this signal and immediately they just lose it they start killing people or they get killed or something like that but some of the characters you know the ones that we are seeing and dealing with uh in this film they seem to be able to watch this you know watch it especially on tv and they'll just kind of get up in front of the tv and watch this signal being broadcast for a while and then they just sort of snap out of it and 
they act kind of normal for a while and then you're not quite sure. So it seems like that the signal doesn't affect them the same way that it, it has other people. You know, for some people, it seems like it's an immediate effect. You know, they, they watch the signal and then they just flip out, start killing, whatever. But, you know, a lot of the, the guys we see in this movie, uh, they just seem to be able to kind of take the signal in, in small doses or something and they're kind well, of okay. And, you know, it was kind of uneven that way, wasn't it? I was going to say, I think that I be I did read a little bit where people were bashing it for that because... You know, it is kind of a thin storyline to be holding it together, you know, because there's it's it doesn't seem logical because of the way that other people act. So I, you know, although I'm I'm going to praise this movie and say that I I fuck I love this movie, I will say that it does. You know, if you're going to go through plot point by plot point, you're probably going to find that. It doesn't quite add up, but they needed, you know, when you said earlier about the where you would start writing a story and someone else would finish it, if you think of it from that perspective, everything the characters do and what they kind of make them fit into makes sense because they would have started with the story and they wanted to keep those characters involved, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think this movie was more made just for the experience of it, just to... Uh, you know, kind of see and and feel what a lot of these characters were seeing and feeling because um, you're seeing a lot of hallucinations and a lot of things that aren't really there. You know, I just love, you know, of course, most of this, again, is happening during the, um, during the second segment. But uh, so many scenes of you think you're seeing one person, but you're actually seeing another. You know, like, like the one guy keeps thinking that he's seeing his wife. But... That's not really his wife. And uh, I, I just love that and the way it the way that plays out. It's just uh, it's really crazy. And, what and about the guy that shows up at the door in the second part? He's just I like, love Hi, that guys. guy. Oh, I'm man. here for a party. What does he, he said something <laughs> about chicks. He wants to pee in someone's butt or something. I oh, forget yeah, what he he's said. Actually, now that I think about it, he mentioned uh, New Year's at the strike of New Year's because he talks about how, you know, oh, he, he hopes, the dog. Yeah. Yeah. He kissed it. So he tells that great story, but he says, um, oh, what, what I was want it? a slut. And so I'm going to find a slut butt. and I'm just going to pee in her butt. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. That yeah. guy was funny. And he was, it was so awkward at that point. Cause like, you know, there's like all kinds of stuff going on. They're trying to hide it and the walls are covered in blood and they're covered <laughs> in blood and they're acting normal. It's great. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was he was one of my favorite characters in the movie, and uh, but at one point, you know, he the uh, the husband, you know, Maya's actual husband is there, and he all of a sudden turns to that guy, and he appears to be Ben, and starts saying like all this terrible stuff about Maya, and it kind of drives him over the edge, and, and so you know we we just see these crazy crazy scenes and it was just i think shot really well it was shot really creatively um the way that uh, these people sort of shifted from one um form to the next where you know you started of course seeing this guy that just showed up for the party and the next thing you know he appears to be ben you know sort of just you know talking smack about maya and uh, i i just love the way that uh uh, the filmmakers shot this. It was it was done really well, and I, I again I just wish I knew who whose head who did was. What uh, segment? Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, um, 
Two of them, David Bruckner and Dan Bush, are actually in the movie. They have credits on IMDb, uh, just screaming men in the background, but interesting. Awesome. <laughs> if I made a movie, I would totally put myself in it because I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, you'd have to. But uh, So what section did you like best? Did you have a favorite? Well, it had to be the second one um, because, again, um, the first segment, it it's just sort of got me comfortable. Um, I, I just thought I was in for a, a very straight love story that was going to be set in this apocalyptic world. Um, so, you know, I sort of just sat back and, and was preparing myself for that kind of serious film. And literally, I just I was launched into this second segment and I had no idea what was going on. But I loved the comedic sort of quirky aspect to it that was coupled with this intense brutal violence um just blood everywhere and head smashing and the sound effects um and the score you know everything i think just worked into making it very brutal and uh achieving that effect it was fantastic but um and of course you know the the third part was also a very good but i think i really appreciated this the middle segment you know out, out of all of them just because it completely threw me for a loop um to me it was the most hallucinatory paranoid just all-out weird segment that really i think was the main reason that i rewatched it that was the main segment that i was most interested in seeing again and figuring out um because it just turns you on your head so many times and again are you seeing what you're seeing i mean is is that really real what you're seeing in front of you or is that a hallucination or what's this guy thinking it's just it's insanity. So what'd you think? What was your favorite one? of the um, I originally was going to say the first segment because I just love how it draws you in. And I love when she's walking with her earphones on, um, listening to her mixtape. But the more we talk about it, the more I realize how much I love the second segment because there is so many good parts. Like, not to give it away, but there's a head later that, you know, basically does something it shouldn't. And, it's uh, an advice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's another, <laughs> the part where he, you know, one of the people that's getting beat to death with the big can of bug stuff, they really show you some good gore. And it, it's just awkward and weird. And I, I like that kind of comedy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, of course, don't mind the gore. Yeah. Oh, I loved it because it was real. I mean, the effects in this were amazing. Um, I saw, you know, there were maybe a few CG blood spurts here and there, but, um, you know, my main gripe about CG blood spurts is not that they necessarily look fake, but it's, um, sort of the aftermath of those blood spurts. Like it never seems like the blood actually is applied to anything like, yeah, you can, you can, uh, do a CG CGI blood explosion from something, but then you never see any blood coating the walls or the floor or anything like that, or the person who has just inflicted that on them. You know, it's, it's just sort of, uh, there, but you never see the blood being, you know, caked onto somebody. But, um, like I said, they really, you know, everyone was, uh, just covered in blood. I love the blood too. Yeah. It was like bright red when yes. they got hit, and you know, like there was a part where he gets the one guy gets hit in the gut with a bullet, and it just starts pouring out. And I, yes. man, I love it. 
They the, one of the things that people also said about it is like the, the goofs are you know the blood is different on each person's face in different scenes. But you, I really did not notice that. I did at one oh, point really? think he had less blood on his face, but I don't know. I feel like you're just so caught up in it that you're not thinking, "Wow, that blood is slightly off on that side." Yeah, it's so surreal um, because you are seeing so many changes uh, throughout the whole thing. And again, you know. Is that really, I mean, are you really seeing that character here? Or is that just somebody's vision of that character? And is somebody just seeing that here? I mean, you really don't know. So I think the the whole uh, psychological element here is just so strong and, and so gripping that I don't even care. I mean, yeah, they may be there, and I didn't catch any of them. I, did, I didn't notice any kind of inconsistency like that. But even if I did, I, I don't care. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. No. Oh, and the guy that you love is Jim Parsons. Because remember, when he gets to the door, he's like, it's Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. You can't kill Jim Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I mean, this to me is, it's a buy. It's a great movie. Like, I feel like everybody should definitely check it out. I mean, and that's, you know, you get to the end. The last part's great, too. You know, you, yes. you have this camaraderie and... You know, you and then the end scene, you really don't know what's going on. You don't know who's who for a minute. Even at the end, I don't know if you really know who's who if you think about it. No, no, you really don't. Um, it's a very satisfying ending. Um, but, you know, then again, it, it just, again, it's very, you know, there are some questions there. But it's not questions. You know, the thing I'm thankful for is I, I'm not totally coming to the end of this movie and saying, what just happened? Like, I am so confused, I have no idea what I just saw. Because they, they managed, you know, throughout all the insanity, all the craziness, you know, three segments, three directors, they brought it all around and they they made, I think, a very satisfying ending. Um, you know, that again, I don't think was necessarily predictable. Um, but I liked it. And I thought, uh, I thought they did well without, uh, you know, really cheesing anything out or, you know, it just didn't disappoint me. I thought it was great. I agree. I agree. And I think it's funny because when this movie first starts, you see he's watching something on TV and, you know, I was watching it and I'm like, did I recommend the wrong movie to Corey? I'm like, this doesn't look at all like the movie I saw before. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I almost had to call you and be like, I screwed up, I think. But uh, luckily that wasn't the case. Well, that's funny you say that because before the show, we were also talking about um, you know, finding out information about the film and the, the directors and everything. And I mentioned that it was actually really tricky to be uh, looking up things on the internet about this movie because there was another movie called The Signal that was released in 2006 that uh, I guess is more of a, a sci-fi movie, but still it's it's actually told in a lot of different perspectives and it's non-linear and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to this, but from what I'm reading, I, I've never seen the other movie, but you know, there, there's, you know, some elements that, uh, you know, we could consider similar to this. But uh, every time I would do a search for this, I really couldn't tell which movie I was talking about. And, I, you know, I just had to go back and, and uh, really make sure that, okay, make sure that this director is mentioned, you know, make sure, okay. And just read through it because a lot of people actually were uh, mixing up the years. In this, because I've seen a lot of people put 2006 on this one and 2007 on the other one, and you know they just they mess it up. So well, they're and, very close in release. So yeah, yeah, and even it was funny. We were talking, and and Katie 
right before we started recording the show, you're just like, Corey, did we in fact watch the same signal? <laughs> um, you know, and, and because that's that could have totally happened. Um, but uh, you know, we we're just kind of fortunate that this was the only one on Netflix. And, no, on Netflix. Uh, yeah. That was my saving grace. I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but what about the black guy's weapon? How cool was that? Oh, man. With the duct tape and... Yeah, uh, and yes. the knives and <laughs> the lamppost. Oh, yeah, he was great. I really liked his character. Yes. And I liked how he went hilariously crazy. So. He did. And he was one of the... Fr- he came back from the dead, actually. Um, I think he was one of the first ones to come back. Um, he kind of kickstarts that second. He's like right yeah. towards the end of the first, be- and then the beginning of the second starts. Yeah, and it, it he was he was the one that really had me questioning things. You know, I'm just like, he's supposed to be dead, isn't he? I mean, what's going on here? And really, I just thought maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to the movie. You know, I get distracted easily, and so sometimes I'll I'll be checking Twitter or you know my Facebook or my email or something. You know, looking away. Just every so often, because I'm I'm just ADD unofficially, and um, so I'm like, you know, I could have totally missed something here, and again, which justified a second viewing of the film just to make sure. But no, I mean that was um, that was it. He came back, and um, yeah, he, he he is very significant throughout the entire film. Uh, he shows up again yeah. in some very uh, interesting interesting uh, scenarios. It's. Uh, it's really cool. I was um, I was reminded, you know, again without spoiling things too much, of like a uh, like a reanimator sort of um, yeah, sort of thing absolutely. going on. You know, it's uh, it's really cool. But uh, I just again I was not expecting what I got out of this, and I am so happy, Katie, that uh, I feel you're... good. You like the movie? I recommended. I loved it. I more than liked it. This is a movie again. I am gonna watch again, no doubt. I can't wait so to watch it again. Would you tell people to buy it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I it's... agree. I think it's great. And if you're not sure, you should Google the signal and look at the image search because you'll see some of the images from the movie and you'll be oh. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the website that I have, um, the official movie website, if you go on there and you click around a little bit, um, you'll find a lot of stills like production stills, of course, trailers and behind the scenes stuff. And that shows a lot of what we're talking about and uh it's 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 uh it's really great um i can't believe that this movie again it's like five years old at this point at least and um i just going under the radar i think i don't think a lot of people know about it or maybe we just didn't know about it yeah maybe yeah maybe it's just us i don't know um but uh even on the cover you know you look at the cover on on imdb and um Ain't It Cool News has like the uh, the quote of honor uh, just above the title. And it says, this film will explode. Mark my words, it has cult classic written all over it. And truer words have never been spoken, I don't think. This is, um, I think, something that is just brilliant. It's under the radar. And actually, that's kind of a cool thing when you think about it. Of course, you know, with me and my hipster tendencies, you know, <laughs> um, even though I don't like to you know, necessarily go under that banner, but, uh, that's just what it is. But I really kind of dig that I've just found this movie via you that, uh, is really, really awesome. And it's a zombie movie. It is a zombie movie, which makes it just a million times cooler. And man, nobody else is talking about this movie. You know, it's not, 
you know, something that, uh, you know, is a mainstream thing by any means, but it has mainstream production quality um, in all aspects. Um, you know, we we're talking about the, the level of the um, gore and the violence, how well that was done and pulled off. There was nothing low budget about this at all. And I don't even know a budget about this movie. But I in- saw 50K is what they spent Are on it. Are you serious? That's well, the way that's what IMDb told me. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's what that's estimated. So you know, who yeah, knows they're, for they're sure? Guessing. But yeah, but uh, yeah, no, fifty thousand was the estimated budget, and it opened wow. to one hundred and sixty screens. And uh, maybe now that David Bruckner's done VHS and getting some notoriety, maybe this will get picked up. But he's somebody I'm going to be watching because again, I've seen two things he's done, and I like them both. I just wish I knew what segment he did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I gotta, I gotta get him in the electric chair. I gotta find Mr. Bruckner. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, get definitely. Him in here. And if I do, hopefully you'll join us. Uh, um, absolutely, because be I, awesome. I, I think I have a little crush on him. So. Oh, all right, all right. Well, there man. you go. All right, man. Well, again, oh, Katie, you know this is a uh, something that doesn't happen very often. Whenever um, I'm given a movie. And I am just blown away. It's something that is, I think, very timeless. And uh, I just, I could not wait. You know, my time, I don't have a lot of time to watch movies. And so often I watch them um, in, in a lot of parts. You know, I'll, I'll watch the first half hour, 45 minutes. And then later that day when I have another window, I'll watch more of the movie. And, and then I'll watch more of it later on, you know, just as I can, because my life is so insane right now. Um, but this is one that literally... I just shut everything else down in the rest of my life. And I'm like, okay, you know, my little boy can sleep another half an hour or he can, you it'll know, be fine. yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be all right. You know, I'll figure it out later, but I just got to see the rest of this movie. Uh, this is something I had to watch in one sitting. I just literally could not turn it off. Um, and it's very rare. So, um, and you still haven't seen VHS, right? I haven't. Um, yeah, you have to check that out too and mm-hmm. watch his segment and see what you think of it. Cause I really liked it. Like I yeah. said, Robo had a problem with part of it, so. Oh, okay. But, you know, it, his specific segment, I mean, um, of course, Ty West does part of that, and everyone has to be like, oh, Ty West. But I liked David Bruckner's the best. So nice. I'm guessing, though, if I had to guess, if we go by what he did in that movie, I wouldn't say the second part and this is his. I would say it would be the first or third part. But that's just a guess and i really hope someone can tell us the right answer because i'd like to know yeah yeah i'm very curious too but uh yeah this is available right now i mean you don't have to go out and buy it it is on uh, netflix uh instant watch and also on amazon prime you can uh, if you're one of the fancy amazon prime people you can uh, watch this as well via your streaming devices and whatever else you have going on but the signal 2007 Three directors, David Bruckner, Dan Bush, and uh, the other guy, which I don't have the page up here. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Jacob Gentry. I'm sorry. Um, You got to check this out. Um, I think it is a must see. Uh, You will not see another movie like this anywhere. Uh, Very original. So fantastic. Thank you, Katie. I am I'm in your debt. And, um, you know, I just hope. You know, I think the movie that uh, we talked about the last time you were on the show, not the not the drive-in show, but the first time you were on, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, let's watch Woman in Black. And we went out and saw that. And, you know, you were just really lukewarm about it. And yeah, absolutely. You, and then you come back 
and you give me this totally kick-ass awesome movie here to see and i'm like oh man i really gotta well, make you, up for this it's a zombie movie so i knew that we had to get it to you and yeah you owe me one so you, next time you come on rotten rantings you're gonna have to do the picking and we'll we'll uh, make sure that it's you know a good one that time and not uh i've seen some pretty bad movies with you on weekly yeah. horror movie podcast saw some bad movies with you too. yeah so. yeah yeah so i'm gonna start now actually i'm gonna begin my search now and really do my homework on this and we're gonna get a movie here that is gonna blow us away hopefully, hopefully. all right oh, oh man well this has been great have you i mean just a, totally something unrelated um and maybe not something that uh, you've necessarily been talking about on your shows or anything but uh have you seen anything uh, cool lately? Have you been to the theater or has there been any other movies that uh, you haven't talked about or anything cool you've discovered? I've been, no, I've been really, really busy. I I did a guest appearance on Junk Food Dinner. So we watched three werewolf movies in one weekend and they don't, they're not a scary movie podcast. So they weren't <laughs> all scary. Some of them were pretty bad. Um and I know I've been catching up on TV and just running like a madman, but um, I I really I'm excited to to watch the movies I have for the rest of the week, and I was excited about this. So um, I'm really glad that you had me on uh, this week, even though it's been a crazy one for me. Yeah, well, I hope that uh, this could be sort of relaxing and just uh, sort of a cool kind of decompression and. Just yeah. hanging out, you know. And... I don't make the edit either, yay. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. It's all on me, and really I don't have much editing to do on this because uh, we haven't had any kind of weirdness or dropouts or, or awkward like pauses. Or... or anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've we've done pretty good, behaved ourselves here tonight pretty well, I think. Um, but... Uh, no, that's cool. Actually, um, you know, talking, you've been watching TV. Uh, have you been uh, keeping up with The Walking Dead? No, and I am six episodes behind on last season. Now, oh, wow. I am caught up on Dexter. Do you watch that one? I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah. you should definitely watch that. Shameless and Dexter, I'm caught up on. I have oh. showtime currently. I had to catch up. Now, I've been told The Walking Dead is getting really good this year. Oh, my God. I just, yeah, I'm current. Um, I got caught up with um, the second episode in season three blown away oh my god i mean this is uh, you know a lot of people were you know moaning and groaning about season two it's so slow it's like a soap opera and not a lot of zombie stuff well this two episodes into the season has just blown it away as far as zombie action from the first two seasons um i mean this is just total balls to the wall um wow wow i just i'm i'm, I'm amazed what I'm seeing, and they're still, again, you know, I'm a huge comic fan. I've actually read um, The Walking Dead, you know, in comic book form for years and years and years. And just coming up to this and seeing this and the way that the TV show is handling this story, keeping it different enough from the comic that keeps fans like me interested in it, that I'm not just seeing a TV version of the comic and everything is the same. Everyone who dies, you know, is the same person that died in the comic and, you know... They're keeping it, I think, very fresh. But, um, man, how they're working things right now is just blowing me away. And I cannot wait. I mean, I'm just... I'm kind of upset, though, because I heard they're out of prison. And Chris and I's escape plan, if zombies ever come around, was to go to a prison. And they're mm. ruining my, my groove here. There you go. We're, 
we're not supposed to be giving out the secrets, the trade secrets here. But um, no, I keep hearing that the character, the is it the governor or yeah. something like that? Yeah, it's coming on, and everyone's like, you just got to get back into it. I actually, I even watched that 666 Park Avenue. I watched an episode of that, and it's so awful. So if I can make it through that, I should. <laughs> I can make it through the last six of last season. But they're uh, on my DVR. I just haven't, I, I'm never in the mood to watch them. Uh, well, I, I, I suggest you make it a priority because um, to me, actually, I think that something that was very beneficial, what I did uh, during season two, was I DVR'd all of them. And then I literally took my entire Sunday, um, the Sunday of the finale, and I took that entire day and watched the whole season. Um, and then I had the finale that night. Um, so I got to see the whole thing really quick without commercials and, and, and stuff. And yeah, it was, it was probably slow if you were watching it in real time and you had to sit through the commercials and, you know, and then wait a week. And if you're watching it that way, I could really see how that drug out. But the way I watched it, DVR, no commercials, boom, boom, boom. You go through them all. Um, I loved it. Um, but this season three is just um, amazing, amazing, unreal. So um, I always like to hear when people watch a whole season of something in a day because it makes me feel better about when I do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I did that with Shameless because I got Showtime for Dexter and I didn't realize there was a season two of Shameless. So I watched like 10 episodes in a day and like it, awesome. it was bad. And I'm like, that's I've been sitting on the couch for 10 hours, but I had a really good day. <laughs> it's like watching a gigantic movie. You know, that's that's what it is because the TV, you know, TV shows are getting so good. You know, it's like you're watching a a really, really, really long movie. And Especially on like AMC or Showtime or, yeah. you know, any of those. Um, also, FX does a good TV show as well. Like, yeah. They yeah. they do a little bit of the gritty and they get away with more than a lot of the other channels do. So, right. Right. So, yeah, I hope you catch up on that and just, uh, man, man, you're, you're in for so many great things, Katie. It's, uh, I can't wait to talk with you again after you've seen all that. And all right, oh. I'll I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll get to it. I'll be having some more free time upcoming now that my weeks of chaos are over. So cool. I think that I can probably get around to it now. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I hope so. Well, um, I just did um, a guest spot on a show. Yeah, a Jay of the Dead is uh, launching a new podcast. And I, I think he's already launched his first episode. Um, and uh, it's all about just general movies. Um, oh, is that who followed me on Twitter? Probably I didn't it's, know. Uh, it's Movie Podcast Weekly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's Jay. Um, and he's awesome. <laughs> and he invited me and Jamie on to talk about uh, Paranormal Activity 4. And uh, so uh, I went out and saw that the opening weekend. And uh, we're going to talk all about that for an extreme amount of time. Like we had, I think it was like three, four hours we podcasted that night. Um, wow. Which, was, it, that happens. I mean, and I, I try I know, to warn I people. Know. I'm like, because Jay is very, um, it, it's very funny because Jay's like, okay, this is a 60 minute show. So we're going to open for five minutes and talk about this. The next 10 minutes, we talk about this. For 20 minutes, we review the movie. And then, you know, the last 10 minutes, we talk about spoilers. And then there's, a, so... He's just like, we are going to stick to this. Oh, man. That never happens. This, it was literally like three hours. 
that we were on there. I was up until like one thirty in the morning or something, you know, talking about um, that movie. But uh, it was so much fun, though, and I knew that was going to happen. And, you know, oh, God bless Jay for, you know, trying to have some semblance of structure and, and I guess, discipline when it comes to podcasting with the likes of me and Jamie and everything. But we just talk and talk and talk and talk. And you know, when we started, like Rotten Rantings was only like an hour and a half, and then it kept pushing. It was like two, two and a half, and most of the time I run two and a half to three. Now I just, it is what it is. Yeah, you it's, you get used to people. You you know, you're comfortable talking to them. It's it, it happens. Long podcasts happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the longest I ever was on was I did a special with a bunch of people. There was like uh, I was new to editing, and there was like eight of us. We recorded for like six hours, and that was the most miserable experience ever to edit because I was so new, and there were so many people. But hey, I figured it out, and you know, you get you get more used to editing as you go along. Oh yeah, yeah. My my big dream, you know, a very ambitious project. I mean, how cool would it be to literally make a twenty four hour podcast? You know, where you start at like noon on Monday or whatever, and you literally just record live. And don't do any editing um, until like noon on Tuesday. And you you just try to really schedule things ahead of time. And you, you know, you tell people you're going to be calling them at such and such a time. And, you know, maybe it's like have, a marathon of podcasts. Yeah, but you, you make it fun. And maybe you'll have like this movie commentary in the middle of the night. You know, we're like, OK, tonight at like three in the morning, you know, we're going to put on, you know, whatever. Friday the 13th, part eight. And we're going to do a commentary and we're probably going to be really tired and probably pretty drunk. But, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you can tune, you know, and just make it a big, long thing. But literally a 24 hour show that you put out on your podcast and it literally takes people 24 hours of their life to listen to your entire show. Yeah. You should um, have been a part of the Corpse Cast. We had a Skype party, like a bunch of lamos, and we we want to, we tried to watch a movie, but really we just talked over it. But that's awesome. You know, I mean, that's the podcast community. I think oh, we yeah. all love each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, us, us cool ones. You know, we we get along really well, and you know, really uh, just enjoy talking. And yeah, it'd be hard to quiet us down. And uh, say, be quiet. We're trying to watch this movie. You know, we're trying to talk about the movie. So let's yeah, stay yeah. focused. And it was a movie that none of us had seen. I actually, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's Severance. I've never seen it. So no. I really don't know what it's about still <laughs> to this day. That's awesome. No, I've I've, I've heard uh, them talking about it on uh, on the Corpse cast. And wasn't it like Lauren that sort of uh, organized the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, was, yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. It, it sounded like it was. It's uh you know, I wasn't the drunkest, so it was all good. <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's always my goal going into any of these. You know, is you know, I may be drunk, but as long as I'm not the drunkest. As long as somebody is ahead of me, we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. But often when I podcast with just like one or two other people on the show, then it's uh, that's a little harder to achieve. Um, <laughs> but you know. Well, we've all had our uh, moments. Well, I don't know. You cut out your moments, I think. But yeah, me and Robo both uh, have our had our moments. Um, he did tell you know Hell Hunter to quiet up and give him some <laughs> baseball references. It was pretty interesting. So I love it. I love it. Well, you know, it's all fun. It's all a lot of fun. And then Katie, man, it, it's been so much fun talking with you again. I wish we could do this like all the time. 
Um, yeah, I love you, man, and yeah. I'm glad you had me on. I'm like I said, I'm really glad that I get, gave you a movie that you uh, hadn't seen before, um, and one that we can recommend because it's always fun when you get to give out recommends. Right, right. It's uh, it's such a bummer, especially when you come, you know, it comes to zombie movies and a lot of horror anymore. I mean, just so much of the stuff you talk about and that you watch. You're just like, this just really sucks. Again, here's another terrible movie. Just don't buy this. There's a lot of that out there. But every once in a while, you get one of these gems that uh, is unbelievable and one that you're going to watch again and again and recommend to people. And, you know, I, I just can't wait for other people to watch this and just tell me what they thought. And and did I get something wrong or did they pick up on something I didn't? And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, Katie, I'm just, you know, now... Oh, man, I'm under a lot of pressure here to find a movie for you that's going to amount anything near uh, what this did. But thank you again for recommending The Signal. This is fantastic. Well, thanks for having me on, Corey. I had a good time. Absolutely. Well, RottenRantings.com is your website. Uh, where else can we find you online? Uh, what are you doing? Katie, at Katie Rots on uh, Twitter, at Katie Rots at Gmail, and you find me on Facebook because I don't have enough friends, but it's Katie Rots RR. So, um, yeah, you can find me any of those ways. Send me an email. Tell me about yourself. Tell me what you don't like about me. I don't care. I just love mail. <laughs> I like attention. What can I say? Um, but no, and uh, RottenRantings.com is updated bi-weekly. And go check out our last cast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And I will vouch for that. It, it was really awesome. And you not only offered the latest uh, podcast, but a lot of video, a lot of pictures, just so much that you can enjoy and uh, and really see that uh, was above and beyond your normal cast. So you did and good. And I even podcast from my basement, which was a little terrifying. So Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I do every time. That's I'm in my basement right now. That's, That's... <laughs> Yours is not as scary as mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have the camera pointed very strategically. But uh, you, there's some <laughs> places here that uh, you don't want to, yeah, you don't, you don't want to go. But uh, so, all right, well, Katie, let's do this again really soon. Um, it's been just a blast talking with you. And literally, whenever you want to come on, you know, it, just just let me know and you're on. But uh, I can't oh, wait. Thanks, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you and Chris again on Rotten Rannings. Um, it's always a blast on there. So, you know, we'll uh, hopefully do that soon. But, uh, yep, let's... Uh, Let's keep in touch, of course, as always, and uh, we'll do this again. So thanks. Thanks, Corey. All right. Electric chair. The Owl by Aaron Shotwell. My name is Jake Whitaker. I turned 90 years old a week ago today. It's funny. You go through life knowing that old age will catch up to you, and you still wonder where the time went once it does. At least, that's what the other folk around the retirement home say. I know exactly where my time went. I've seen the world from many perspectives, everything from the rose-tinted glasses of youth to an old man's tired cynicism. I've learned a great deal of things in my day, but even for someone of my years, some things will always remain a mystery. There are things in life you just get comfortable with, even without an explanation. You just accept them, and you even come to expect them. You stop to think about it every now and then, wondering if there's an answer, but you eventually stop trying. It is what it is. No changing it. No need to. For me, that thing has been around for as long as I can remember. I've walked through life with a very strange companion. 
My grandfather died in the fall of 1931. It wasn't anything tragic. It was just his time. He survived until he eventually became senile. His life was already over, as far as I was concerned. Sure, I was sad to see him go, just the same as any other little boy would be. But I watched him fade away, and I knew he wasn't my grandfather anymore. He just wasn't in there. He was gone. So, I didn't cry at his funeral. I had done plenty of that once I realized that he had forgotten my name. I just said my goodbyes and washed my hands of it. I did a lot of remembering, though. I remembered all of the things about him that mattered to me. I remember all of the quarters that he pulled from behind my ear, all of the walks in the park, and the short games of catch before he'd start complaining about back pain. You know, the simple things that made him my grandpa. I especially remembered his stories. He had a million of them, most of them far-fetched and funny, and all punctuated with his own laughter. He liked to think he was the next Mark Twain, but he wasn't as witty as all that. He was just a silly old codger. Still, we all liked to listen to him ramble on, and that was enough for him. The stories I recall most, though, were not the silly anecdotes. In fact, they weren't even stories, not really. They were more like obscure references, the kind you might hear about La Llorona, the Tooth Fairy, or the Boogeyman. The ones I grew up with were about the owl. There was a difference between the owl and those other creatures, though. All of these other creatures you hear about, they're urban legends because there's always a story behind them. Not the owl. Grandpa never told us what the owl was, where it came from, or what it did. The owl was just... the owl. The references were never consistent, either. We didn't know if we were supposed to fear it or feel safe because of it. One night, he'd tell us not to be afraid of monsters under the bed because the owl would keep them away. Another day, he'd tell us not to tell fibs or eat candy before dinner because the owl was watching. My older brother, Jeffrey, who passed away five years ago, God rest his soul, stopped believing in the owl after Grandpa died. He just wrote it off as another of the old man's tales. I believed, though. I had always believed, and I knew for sure after the wake. Everyone took turns walking by his open casket to say their final goodbyes, commenting on how peaceful he looked and saying he was in a better place, the usual remarks for the occasion. And then it was my turn. I was only nine years old, and I still hadn't reached my growth spurt, so I had to stand on my toes a bit to see. The first thing I saw was Grandpa's face in profile, expressionless and pale, and it choked me up the way you'd expect. It was also my first experience with death, so I was much too disturbed to look for long. Then, I saw something that no one else seemed to notice, or if they did, they didn't make any mention of it. It was tucked away discreetly between the sleeve of his coat and the casket's white silk lining, protruding no more than an inch between them, just enough to grab my attention. It was a feather. It was long and beautiful, a tuft of snowy white down at the base of the quill, pure silver white with faint stripes of gray along the vein. It seemed so deliberately placed, but I hadn't seen anyone else put it there, and I had been nervously watching the line of mourners move ahead of me the entire time. I almost reached for it, but I knew it wouldn't be proper. For a moment, I forgot about my grandpa. The feather was all I could see, and I felt numb. Nobody else saw it, and nobody would believe me if I told them, but I knew. I knew where it came from. It belonged to the owl.
That night was a restless one for me, the first of many. It was a long time before I could sleep comfortably again, because that was the night when it first paid me a visit. In the moonlight, I could just make it out. It was perched on a tree branch just outside my bedroom window. A large and striking great horned owl, entirely silver in appearance. Even its beak and talons were a sort of dull gray. I couldn't see its eyes, as they were sunken in dark hollows. Its crown feathers hung at a lazy slant, and it didn't make the fidgety gestures you would expect from a bird. Its only movement came from an occasional slight twitch or a slight rustling of its feathers in the breeze. It never moved an inch, never made a sound, and it never looked away. It stared through my window, directly at me, the entire night. I've seen it outside my window every night since. Sometimes it's on my windowsill where I can see its every feather, sometimes across the street in a neighboring tree, but always near enough where I can see it. It was there when I lost my virginity, and I lay awake staring at it as my partner for the night slept soundly in my embrace. It was there during the first night I spent in my first apartment, an apartment in downtown Los Angeles, far from where anyone would expect to see such a bird. It was there on my wedding night, watching me from the window of our new home while I held my bride close. It was there on the night my wife gave birth to our first son, and I caught a glimpse of it from the corner of my eye, staring at me from the waiting room's small window. Once I was hospitalized overnight with a terrible flu. The room had no windows, but I knew the owl was watching. I could feel it. It was perched outside in some nearby tree as always, peering at me through the walls. It has always been there, whether or not I think to look for it, always waiting patiently. Waiting for what? I didn't know. Truth be told, I still don't know. Never a hoot, nor a screech. It never moves, and it never looks away. In the later years of my life, I think I begin to understand my grandfather a little better. I understood why he told us those stories, why he tried to make us believe in the owl. I found myself doing the same for my grandchildren. He must have believed, just as I had, that he wouldn't have to feel so alone if someone else knew. It was a quiet call for help. I can't tell you how much sleep I've lost to the dreadful sight of the owl over the years, but I eventually learned to cope. The thing about being haunted is that you just adjust to it, but you never really get used to it. Does that make sense? Things wouldn't seem quite right if it wasn't there as usual, but it's always nagging you in the back of your mind. You can never ignore it, even if you want to. So, instead, you try to live with it. You try to make peace with it, and it becomes a routine. For a while, I even tried to interact with the owl, though I don't know what compelled me. Perhaps I wanted to understand the thing, or just to see it do something, anything, other than sit there in silence and stare at me. Maybe I'd teach it some tricks to fetch my slippers or deliver letters. The thought made me laugh. I would often approach the window to open it, thinking maybe I could pet the bird, but it always fluttered away into the shadows before I got too close. Not for long, though. It would always return once I gave it an acceptable amount of space. Sometimes I would place a chair across from the window, at the distance the owl allowed, of course. I would sit in that chair and talk to the bird, telling it about my day, my troubles, and my dreams. Sometimes I'd tell it jokes, though I knew it would never laugh. I had hoped the owl was listening, or maybe that it would respond somehow. It never did. It just sat perfectly still, as always, 
watching me patiently. The owl has been my strange companion, even during these final days of my life. It has never left me, no matter how much I wish that it would. I've been sick lately, and I know I don't have much time left. The nurses know it, the other residents know it, and I think the owl knows it too. Since I became ill, around the time of my birthday last week, its behavior has changed. It has begun to move, an anxious little shuffle, and it tilts its head from time to time in that impossible way unique to an owl. I can see its eyes now, dull amber beads and pupils wide with anticipation. I think I've even seen it smiling. If you can imagine an owl's lipless version of the expression, I dare not imagine what it means, though I think I can guess. I can see it outside my window, even as I write this story. I sat down at this table to tie up any loose ends, to go over my last will and testament one more time, and maybe write a few letters to loved ones before I lose the chance. Instead, I chose to write about the owl. I just want someone, even if only one person, to know the truth. In the end, I only have one question in my mind. Will someone find the feather in my casket too? I hope it isn't my grandson. I hope he didn't believe the stories, or he may be the owl's next obsession. What do you think will be the next obstacle the Earth people will put in our way? Well, as long as they can think, we'll have our problems. But those whom we're using cannot think. They are the dead, brought to a simulated life by our electrode guns. You know, it's an interesting thing when you consider the Earth people who can think are so frightened by those who cannot, the dead. Well, our ship should be regenerated. We better get started. Hi, this is Ferguson. Mike. Anthony DiGennaro. Ben Templesmith. Bo Buckley. Dan Donnelly. This is Don Maselli. And this is Drew Domkus. This is Drew Bolduke. And Dan Nelson. And Gray. Jeff Bromley. Johanna Stokes. I'm John Wigger. Julie from 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Katrina Hill, the action flick chick. This is Keith Ledge. Kevin Donahue. Kim Poirier. This is Kyle Stevens. And this is Jim DeMonacos. And we're Kirby Crackle. Lori Beckman. Metal Mikey. Michael Allen Nelson. This is Michael Kupperman. Mike Davis of Stag Films. Mike Mignola. Molly Beck Ferguson. This is Scott from the Disney Indiana Podcast. Neil Machino. Paul Hungerford. Rachel Bloom. Rob Housechild. Robert Arvest. Root Rod here. This is Steve. And this is Gord from the Bone Bat Show. I'm Bo Fader. And I'm Brockton McKinney. Thomas Burdinsky. Tracy T. Jen Soska. And I'm Sylvia Soska. And, and we're, we're the Twisted Twins. Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre. Wayne Kotke. Sami Farmer here, and you're listening to a Little Dead Podcast. Place for the full frontal... Nerdy. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, nerdy. full frontal nerdy. Cool. Visit a littledead.com. We've come to the end of another episode. Thank you to Katie Rotz. Truly, truly wonderful, wonderful friend. Uh, Go listen to her podcast. All the links will be up in the show notes. Katie is wonderful. Thank you for uh, suggesting The Signal. I had so much fun with that. And everyone, go out. It's on Netflix Instant right now. You can watch it. Oh, man, man, a really fun film. Um, what else? Thank you to Burial Day Books, uh, burialday.com. A uh, fantastic story by Aaron Shotwell, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and there's much more coming up on that. Uh, go back and listen to the Halloween episode, the special one I just released. Um, you know, it's, uh, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I'm hoping that the release of that episode did not sort of interfere with people's listening 
to uh, the normal episode that came out last week with Sean Ewart and Justin Powers and Raphael Santiago. Man, it was a, a really great episode, so I'm hoping that uh, your feed just didn't uh, go immediately to the new Halloween episode and that you missed uh, the wonderful discussion that I had with those guys. So, uh, yeah, go back and listen to that. There's, a, there's so much here for your listening enjoyment, and uh, I just hope you are having fun with it. So, uh, electrichairshow.com is the website. Midnightcory.com is my personal website where I post more general things that's going on about horror and music and whatever else comes to my mind. I've been posting a lot of uh, shorts, horror shorts, that you should uh, check out. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. I am on Twitter and Facebook. Hook up with me there if you want to call the voicemail line. Of course, that is 206-337-5096. Thank you to Alan this week for calling in. That was really, really cool of you, man. And um, that's about it. You can uh, get in touch with me on the website, record an MP3 or whatever, and send it in. It's cool. I'll play just about anything you send me. So, yeah, yeah, have at it, whatever. Um, yeah, I will be back again next week. Thank you again for listening. This is Midnight Corey saying good night. <laughs>